You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for listening to another episode of Carly's Couch. Y'all been kind of rocking with the last few, and I must say they have been kind of good. I feel like the last ones have been pretty good. What do you think, Carly? I think so. That's why I said kind of. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been, been really kind of good. I mean, I just say kind of. I guess I should not say that. They've been great episodes. Um, well, we gotten some really good feedback about they've just been genuine conversations um, like we always have, but I think more personal and less structured around the topic. And yeah, I've been rocking with it. So I'm super happy about that. Yeah. So we appreciate the comments you've left. We have some comments on YouTube. You can also leave comments on um, why am I looking up there when there's Same. no recording? It's We're on Zoom today, guys. Sorry, you'll see on the video. Um, you've left comments on the website and on social as well. So feel free to hit us wherever at Carly's Couch. You can find us, subscribe to our YouTube. If you're not subscribed already, you can watch all the episodes there. Um, and also we have our line open. We played a voice message that we got last week in our last episode. Um, but you can call us at 323 if you ever have anything to say and in this case uh you know probably within a few minutes of this episode you're probably gonna want to you know have some shit to talk to our guests today um let me let me not uh try to get y'all to to wall out on my my good friend Nero here um but we're excited because today we are talking to a woman who is a friend of Carly and I's um she is doing great work i've always known her to be a super hard worker and she's so funny she's like one of the funniest people i know um so let me give the real introduction to nanerl brown she is a user experience researcher who journeyed into the field by way of systems engineering and the social impact space currently she works at figma doing research on the growth team She cares greatly about creating a shared understanding of the tech industry with all, most especially with Black people and other marginalized groups. Nanerl has shared her knowledge by leading design workshops, serving as a mentor and design educator for online UX UI boot camps, and through her YouTube channel, Unpacked Angles, which we'll talk about. She's also the creator of the largest UX club on Clubhouse, UX Research Corner, Follow Them, where she and six other women host and facilitate discussions on UX research topics with people from all around the world. She holds a bachelor's and a master's degree from the University of Virginia in engineering science and systems engineering, respectively, in addition to a master's degree from the University of Southern California in nonprofit leadership and management, focusing on social entrepreneurship. In her spare time, she enjoys creative projects, practicing the violin, hiking, volunteering as a technical instructor for Black Girls Code, and drinking mimosas while eating sushi. And watching anime. I added added that last part because she'd be trying to do too much sometimes. (laughs) But it's all love, though. Nanaro, welcome to the show. What up? Good. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm finally here. Oh, my God. I know. Nanero used to be one of our supporters. She fell off, but I'm going to let it slide. She used to always be watching our shows, and I get it, though, life, because, girl, I don't even hardly listen to them. Sometimes I, sometimes I go back, though, to a topic that we did before, though, and if it's relevant now, and I'm like, oh, okay, that actually was very helpful and good. Um, but sometimes you're so close to it, you don't need to listen to all of them. Yeah, but she, we were talking about people leaving comments. She leaves the best comments on the website. So if you go back through some of the old episodes, she leaves very thoughtful 
comments and questions and a bunch of things, but she watches like 10 at a time, kind of like their anime episodes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, no, you're here for episode 145, Hi. I believe. Yeah, episode 145 featuring Nano Brown. Um, you know, in your intro, we talked a lot about your work in design and wanting to make that accessible. Um, especially to people of color. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from, let's say from like USC, um, and I know you did some work with a startup, to where you are now and just kind of what the flow and ups and downs have been there? Yeah. um, So (laughs) I'm going to like not follow directions and go like a little bit before USC because I feel like it's going to bring it all around. Do your thing. Um, (laughs) Okay, cool. So I studied engineering in undergrad. And so I was like real tech minded. I did it because my mom was like, oh, you should do it. And I was like, I don't really know what it is, but I also don't have a, an opinion. So like, why not? And so I did it and I was like, dang, like there's no black people here. It's like, there's no women here. That's not what's up. And so after that, I went to work at the Pentagon for a while and that was interesting. But like while I was there, I went back to school and did systems engineering. And it was like, I was the only black woman in my program that graduated and I was one of two black people. So I was like, dang, it's still like this. Um, Not that I didn't know, but it was just like, man. And then the whole Mike Brown situation happened like while I was in that program and I just felt really alone. I didn't want to be there. I was like, y'all don't care. Um, Cause nobody talked about it. And so it was at that point when I was like, you know what, this is the problem I want to solve. Like, I want to see more people that look like me in these programs because there's really not a reason why there shouldn't be more Um, because it's not rocket science because I'm not a rocket scientist and I did it. So that was that, boom. And then I started working as a management consultant after getting that degree. And I was like, dang, there's still not, (laughs) there's no black people here either. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start this nonprofit. And so the whole mission was to like bring more black people, bring more women into STEM, specifically tech. And so I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And I didn't know how to do that. And I like got a nonprofits for dummies book. Cause I was like, yo, like how you do this? And I quickly realized that it was a lot more than I thought it was. And I also like couldn't quit my job. Cause I was like living in the DC area at the time. I couldn't quit my job and go work at a nonprofit. Cause my apartment, my rent was too much from you do that so I was like all right so I'm gonna just get some like formal training and I didn't want to go back to school because I had already been twice and I don't like school contrary to what people might think when they look at like my resume but I do enjoy learning and so I was like all right so I'm gonna find a certificate program to go through and I ended up coming across USC's program while I was looking for a certificate and I was like, oh, this look cool. And I was like, oh, it's in LA too. I ain't never been there, but it's warm. I heard. And so let me go check that out. And it was brand new. So I knew I could like make it into what I wanted it to be. And so I visited LA. I was like, boom, this is what I want to do. Went through the program, graduated, knowing that I did not want to start a nonprofit, but I wanted to be on more of like the board side and like help out nonprofits that already had the mission that I wanted to uphold. And while I was going through that program, I interned at this nonprofit that functioned very much like a startup and they were teaching black and brown boys how to code like in high school and like start tech companies. And so that's when I learned about like the different, I guess, core, I guess, positions like within a tech company. And so I got into product management like while I was there. I also got really into UX. 
And so eventually I just kept inserting myself in different places where people knew me as like a UX person, even though I never like held a title with the job, like UX anything. And um, so when I graduated, I was trying to find a job, could not find a job. And I had met this woman who had started her own startup and like needed some um, help with her designs because she had gone to an agency who had created her designs and did not do any type of user experience on them. So like they didn't talk to anybody before they created them. They just designed what they thought people would like and what might work. And so I went through, gave an assessment, and then um, she invited me on board after seeing my work. And so I was doing that for like a year and some change. That was a struggle. <laughs> and, but it was also cool. I learned a lot. And then, yeah, so now I'm like, I don't know. I took a break a little bit. I don't know how far you want me to go into the story. Um, I guess we'll get into it later, but I took a little break and then I started applying for jobs again. And now I'm doing what I'm doing, but there's a lot more that goes into that. But So real quick for people who don't know like tech language and stuff, what is UX and UI? Yes. Um, so UX stands for user experience. And what that has to do with is like the literal experience that people have when they're designing or when they're experiencing, I guess, your product when they're using something. When they're using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a technical, like digital product. It can literally be, you can have an experience doing anything. So that's like using a phone, walking up the steps, taking the escalator, using an elevator, like whatever. Um, so it's just taking into account like what people will experience. So there's like all different types of facets of UX. So there's like UX design and UX research, which is what I do. And like UX, co like content writing and stuff like that for different copy, things like that. So that's what user experience is. And then user interface or UI, that's what user, or that's what UI stands for. That has to do more with like how things look. So like the color, the typography or the font, um, things like that. It's so like the literal like face or the package that things come in. Yeah. Thank you. So I want to ask you, um, at what point in the journey that you've kind of given us this far, because you kind of sped through the end of it, and I'm gonna let that slide for a minute. But at what point do you feel like, or do you feel like you ever were intentional, like, oh, I know exactly what I need to be doing right now? Or has it always felt like it's kind of been an exploratory type of uh, movement as you've gone from different places? Um, I think the part of my life where I got like super intentional was closer to the end of my time with the startup. So it's like very recent. Um, before I was more like go with the flow like I had an idea of what I wanted to do but then that also like shifts a lot which you can like see in my resume um and like my experience with education but yeah I think I got more and more intentional I really wanted to be a generalist at first like do everything kind of like a jack of all trades and I didn't want to like fall into that oh you have to focus on one thing it's like no nah, I get bored easily so I want to do everything <laughs> but um I found something that I really really like and so I've been gravitating toward that what did getting more intentional look like for you? You know, at the end of the startup, towards the end of that, what, did, what does that mean? Like when you said you got more intentional? Yeah, so like assessing what I really liked and like what I really wanted to do and then making a plan to actually get that and not really settling for anything else, which was hard because I feel like during that time span, Corona happened, like it like popped off. And so it was just like, dang, 
I didn't have a job at that point. It was like, I want to do anything. I low-key will settle. <laughs> but at the same time, um, the universe didn't let me. So that was like really nice to, to have happen. But yeah, it was more so like knowing what I needed to do, doing research on what I needed to do, tailoring my resume was something I did not like to do. Writing cover letters is something that I did not like to do and I never really did it. But for this, um, like where I'm at right now, I just got really on a focus and also like not lazy about it. Um, so, yeah. I think it's always interesting how we have to be really fed up with something a lot of times to make like a next move or to really ask ourselves like, all right, what do I really want to be doing if I don't feel comfortable here? And you don't have to get into what happened with the startup, but um, I know that the way you left it was like, all right, this just isn't for me right now. And so talk about the feelings that you had to leave something and go into an uncertain space because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you left it and now it's like, man, I'm just not doing anything for a while. So you said that, oh yeah, I took a break for a little while, but like really talk about what that looked like and was that difficult to just take a whole step back, not really sure of what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So towards the end, I really had to sit with myself and like figure out what direction I wanted to go. There's like one side was like kind of unhealthy, um, <laughs> really, really broke <laughs> and stressed out and tired. And the other side was just very uncertain, no longer having the quote unquote status of like doing my own thing and um, possibly feeling better. <laughs> so I just had to really think about that. And I feel like like, People kind of talk about it within the tech industry and like the startup space, but like entrepreneurship, there's this big whole thing of like hustle, wait, hustle culture and like hustle mm -hmm. porn and like sleep when I die and all of this other stuff. And like that shit is so unhealthy. <laughs> it's so unhealthy. And so I burnt out um, like one and a half times like while I was working with the startup. And it got to a point where it's like really dark, you know, like, like, damn, like what would happen if I like just jumped off this balcony right now? Kind of dark. And so she's like, damn, like thinking back, that's not good. I feel like that's not good for you. That's literally the definition of a suicidal thought. And I had to like Google that shit. So I was just like, man, like what type of space was I in to have like thought that and like nothing really was happening. Like if I had zoomed out a little bit, like the whole world was still fine. Like we weren't in a pandemic at that point, um, but still like stuff was still happening. Stuff was still moving and everything was beautiful on the outside. So I was just like, all right, so what's better for me? Like, what's best for me? And health-wise, and just, I think in general, like, stepping away was better. And it was a really tough decision because I didn't want to lose what I felt was, like, notoriety, kind of, for working with the startup and, like, being able to set my own schedule and just do all this stuff, go to all these events and like be able to say, oh, you know, I'm like so-and-so of this or like I was a director and I was like, I wasn't directing nobody. I was sitting there trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> and so it's like, it was just a title. Um, so I just really had to sit with that. There was a lot of ego there that I had to let go of and um, a lot of opportunity that I had to embrace, even though I didn't know like what exactly it was. Um, but I knew it was something greater because of the experience that I had, like, for the previous year. 
Um, so yeah, it was a tough decision, but I stepped away. In the moment I stepped away, I felt so good. <laughs> I felt so much better. I was like, yo, I don't have to wake up early. I do not have to do this shit tomorrow. Like I can literally sleep all day or I could watch Netflix all day. Um, but I also had to grapple with that too. Cause I didn't know how to like not do anything at that point. Um, and so at that time I was on Talkspace. So I had like a Talkspace therapist and I was like trying to go through it with her. I was like, yeah, like, I used to feel really bad about taking breaks and stuff like that, which is why I burnt out, partially. And so we talked through, you know, needing to take breaks and like what that literally means, like to be human <laughs> and to sleep and stuff. So yeah, but it was it was tough. I associated my identity with work very strongly back then. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I think a lot of people do, and especially probably like a lot of our listeners, we've talked about that before as well. Um, you know, a couple of things from what you said made me think about the fact that a lot of times we do glorify like having our own thing so much that, we, and we forget that it's a very thin line between self-employed and unemployed. And um, I, I'm glad that you gave that take on this story because for a lot of people, they need to know that it's okay to work at a company and actually have benefits and actually get a paycheck and actually not have as much to do as everything in your own company. Um, and it's important to think about like and assess where your health is, where your mental health is and what might be best for you. As you were talking about that, it made me remember like, dang, I used to do that a lot of times. You know, I have a balcony too. I used to do that all the time. But like now I'm like, oh, it's been a long time since I've thought about that, but it jogged my memory because I'd always be like, nah, I'd probably just break my ankle. Like <laughs> that's the kind of combo I would have. I'm like, yeah, this it's just going to be some goofy shit. And like, I ain't going to really be out of here because it's not quite high up enough. But like, I, I always think about stuff like that too. And it's very interesting now to like think back about it. Like it, some of that, sometimes that can become such a regular like state that you're in of just getting things done and working through it. Um, that you don't really realize how burnt out you are um, until you take a step back. And isn't it interesting also how freeing it is like immediately when you get something off your shoulders that you thought like was everything and they thought meant everything. But all of a sudden you're like, now I feel great. Like, I think that's one of the best feelings when you get something off you and it's like, oh, I actually feel really good instead of feeling bad, which is what you've been grappling with the whole time of trying to think and make the decision of doing that thing. Um, so I would encourage listeners for sure um, to think about that story and where you might identify and, you know, what decisions you really need to make, even if they're going to be hard. And then thinking about, um, I like how you said you were thinking that's everything. Last week, we talked a lot about instincts, but she said that this thing she thought was her whole world, as soon as she let it go, she felt better. And I think that's your instincts. Like it kicked in and you were like, nah, like I, I physically, mentally, emotionally can't do this anymore. And that is the side of tech that people don't talk about the side of entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, I work for Facebook. I'm so tight. All these things, whatever is cool. But like, how'd you get that job? Like, what about the in-between times when you're sleeping on somebody's couch, whenever you are homeless, whenever you, you know, couch surfing, whatever it is. So thank you for sharing. Um, can you fast forward us now a little bit more to current time and with the work and position and the company that you're working with now, how would you say you feel and how would you kind of compare yeah. Um, so currently I'm at a startup again, but 
it's much further along. We have funding. And so I'm getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) I also have health insurance and like a whole bunch of other, like other things that come with being employed at Figma. And so I would say like, that's been one of the major differences. Also, I have a team. (laughs) So like, I felt alone a lot of the time because I didn't have anybody else who was like with me in terms of like doing like the UX and the research and stuff like that. And I was also a beginner. So I was just like, kind of like I read things and I knew about stuff, but like things in application are very different than what you read in a book or like what you learn in school. Um, And so I didn't have anybody to like bounce ideas off of because I'm supposed to be the expert like in that domain back then. But now I have a research team that I can like talk to and like we we meet a couple times a week where we like just let go of our questions as far as like, man, am I even doing this right? I don't even know. So there's a lot of psychological safety there for me. And also I um, am part of a product team as well. So like I'm on the growth team, like you mentioned in my bio and I get to bounce ideas off of them too and like just share really what I'm thinking and it just feels a lot more accepted and okay to say I don't know and I have help finding out um and so and there's people who have a lot more experience than me too uh helping me out with the things that I don't know or the directions that I don't know like to go um and it's funny because I actually didn't get the position when I applied um but during the interview process I think I connected with my manager who's now my manager really well um and also just the rest of the people that I talked to that they offered me like a short-term thing just to like give me experience and I ended up converting that eventually which was real cool yeah that's great so I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it and that it feels like a, a more open and safer space I think that's very important in your work especially since like work is like our day-to-day in our society now mm-hmm. um, can you go into now a little bit more about UX research and um, I'm kind of familiar with that. I know you and I have talked about it before, but talk a little bit about what you're doing in researching to have efficient and effective user design and like what that kind of trial and error and gathering of research looks like in that space. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of, I think, give an example because it'll help me to like ground myself in like something concrete because it can be very like airy because um, it's dealing with human beings it's really just dealing with people and like how they think and why they do the things that they do which is why I really like it but if we were talking about like a checkout process for instance like if you're going online and buying something and you want to talk about the user experience research for that Um, If you're trying to improve a checkout process or you just want to see if it's like doing what it needs to be doing in terms of like people not being confused or things being clear and straightforward in terms of getting from like the product all the way through checkout, then what it could look like for me as a researcher or UX researcher in that instance is talking to the people who typically go to our sites and like buy things. And so um, talking to them about like, their process and how they check out like anything that's confusing to them anything that sticks out to them anything that they like anything that they dislike and not necessarily asking those questions but really just having a conversation about their experience and then getting that insight from their response um so a lot of the time 
when I'm talking to people, it just like looks like me just asking them a whole bunch of questions as if I am trying to dive into the way that their mind works, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And um, sometimes, especially now, like during COVID, because people have been suffering, a lot of people have been alone and haven't spoken to other people um, or just had connected connections with other human beings. And so like when they talk to I would say us, because the, the folks that I do the UX Research Corner with, we talk about this a lot because we're researchers. When they talk to us, like sometimes people bring up some things that are like really personal or like they're just in a very sensitive spot um, in their life or where like, it could be a sensitive product too. And so sometimes I feel unqualified because it's like I'm a little bit of a therapist as well, just going through and asking why people feel the way that they feel. Um, and that contributes to the, the way that they behave as well. Um, so it can look like that. I spend a lot of time talking to strangers, which I think is fun. I also spend a lot of time going through and analyzing the things that we find out um, and making that, like packaging, packaging that into a story that I can share with my team so that they can go ahead and take what we learned and apply that to the design, or like the way that we market things or you know, whatever. And so when it comes to that checkout process, you take what you learn from that um, and you can work with a designer, like whoever your UX designer is to implement like whatever changes need to be implemented into the designs to make the checkout process easier. And sometimes the researcher and the designer are the same person. So it just really depends on where you are um, as far as organization goes. Is it challenging to get people to answer your questions or to want to talk to you? Because I imagine, I think about every time, you know, you call like customer service and they're like, take this survey, click, <laughs> like, not <Yeah>. today. <laughs> not today, no, no, not today. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I'm just wondering what that looks like. Yeah, uh, I think I'm fortunate because Figma is really popular in the design community. And so we're a design tool. And so designers want to talk to us because they're like, this is how you can make it better. Because we get, we get a lot of feedback. And so um, I feel like it's more of an outlier as far as like the people who are willing to speak with us. But usually, especially like when I was doing the startup, like the other startup, like <laughs> I was trying to approach people on the street, mm -hmm. just get them to talk to me. Like people do not like that. <laughs> and surveys, I think just in general, surveys are hard too because nobody really wants to take a survey now I feel like I'm extra sensitive to that so like whenever I'm sent to survey I'm just like dang like I gotta take this so I can pay it forward so that people take my survey <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it can be difficult but um sometimes like the brand of Figma helps me out as a researcher at that company or at the company I'm working for um but yeah so we incentivize people to speak to us or to give us you know whatever we're trying to ask for y'all out here bribing people <laughs> incentivize <laughs> <laughs> um so it sounds like you do amazing stuff and thank you for explaining that because i actually had no idea what you did like i understand the terminology but i don't know what it looks like so that's helpful what is your like what do you get most excited about about your job and about you know user experience like what excites you yes i get excited about understanding people because especially i feel like the longer i do this the more clear it becomes that People just want to be heard and understood. And sometimes it doesn't even matter who you're talking to, like they just want somebody to listen. And so, especially now with COVID and everything that has been happening over the past 18 months or so, it's been really cool to connect with other people who I would have not otherwise connected with. 
and to just hear them out. I really enjoy advocating for them. Like I'm the advocator. Like that's what we do as researchers. We advocate for the people we do research on, I guess, like the, the users, the customers, whomever. Um, and so that's my favorite part. Like when I have a day full of sessions, like I had a day full of sessions today and luckily I only got to observe even though it was active observation. So it's still like really tiring, but those are my favorite because you actually get to talk to people and you learn about people and um, just like what makes them tick. And I think people are interesting. Um, and so I'm also like low key real nosy. And so it just like, it just feeds into that. <laughs> Have you ever been surprised by anything that you found out or that you've seen be like a majority response to something? Yeah, I have. And it's like, sometimes it's like good surprises and sometimes it's like not so great surprises. It's like, dang, we are not expecting this. All right, back to the drawing board because this is mm -hmm. not... People hate anytime you try to change something or add a button. Like, I mean, we see this all the time just on social. Like, they could change one little thing. Like, oh, this line is up one instead of down here. And everybody's like, I'm never using this again. And then they don't. And it's like, why are y'all being like this? But every little piece does matter. But there's such a curve to, like, actually getting used to it and being okay with it. Like, we forget now what Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, oh, my God, what it used to look like, like, even a few years ago. Um but I think that that's something that maybe could be kind of like a lesson in UX is that change is good. Change when researched properly and like given thought can have purpose and make you more effective or make things more effective. Is there any other lessons from uh, UX, UI, from conducting research, from things that you know in your work that you could connect to life itself or an approach to life? Yeah, I think in, so like in tech, research is supposed to be cheaper than actually like producing something that people don't want or people don't like um, or that's something that doesn't work. And so I think I apply that same thing to my life. Like I usually try to do research on something that I'm really interested in, but I'm not quite sure yet if I want to partake. And so like I researched the shit out of like tattoos before I got my first tattoo. I researched piercings before I got my first piercing or like different piercings. I researched, <laughs> I researched weed before I smoked weed for the first time. Like I just researched everything. Um, I think you're just a nerd though. No, no, no. Because <laughs> I do that too. Like anytime I think about anything, like I just go into a rabbit hole of researching it. But that is a good point though, for sure, that your research helps you from making you know, mistakes, or it allows you to understand what the best decision might be. Yeah, it gets you prepared, too, so that it's just like, all right, you kind of know what to expect going into something. And you can learn from other people. Like, we, a lot of people just jump into stuff, but it's like, also, you could learn from looking at these reviews or from hearing people's stories um, that are positive and or negative and then weighing them yourself. Man, shout out to Nanero for helping me get my vacuum. <laughs> yes, he's got some review. Um, but yeah, I think so researching. And then also like what I mentioned before, as far as like people wanting to just be heard sometimes, like, I don't know like what it is about my face. Um, and this has not been happening so much like during COVID now, thankfully, but people will come up to me and just start talking and like, they won't stop. And so I have to like, <laughs> I won't have to, but I recognize that sometimes people just need to talk to somebody so I will entertain that if I'm in a space to do that and um 
sometimes it's cool when I'm like, I feel good. Like I can like, recognize when people just need to get something off their chest. Um, <laughs> like, like Uber drivers, for example, I was just like, I don't want to talk to you, but if you need to talk right now, I ain't got nowhere to be. I'm in your car. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess we can do that right now. That's funny. That must explain why you ain't uh, turn around when I called your name and saw you at the block the other day. I had to chase her down in the grocery store. And then she was like, God damn it, you found me. <laughs> I was like, oh, word. <laughs> I know you heard me yelling your name. Ain't nobody name sound like yours, Nanero. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to let it slide. Well, I'm not going to let it slide, but... Yep. Let it happen again. <laughs> Yo, and shout out to boundaries. I like that you said you entertain it when you're in the space too. I think that's a lot of that growth. Yeah, it is. It is. I had so much trouble setting boundaries. Like I'm still working on it, but I'm so much better than where I was a couple years ago because I didn't have any boundaries before when I was doing the startup before. And it like very clearly showed. Why do you think that is that that's something that you had trouble with? And just in general, because a lot of people have that issue with setting boundaries, but what do you think contributed to that for you? Um, <laughs> I talked to my therapist about this. I think some of it is attributed to me feeling like asking for what I want, um, which includes like setting my boundaries is rude for some reason. And so it's just like, oh, you know, I just need to let people do. And otherwise I'm like, I'm being rude. I'm being a little bit too selfish. And I think that has to do with the way I grew up slash like what I was able to do in my household when I was younger. At least that's what we have come to the conclusion of like me and my therapist. And so, um, yeah, I had to work through that and really figure out like why I felt that way. And also like what about it I could adjust to make it not feel like that anymore. So yeah, it was a challenge. Yeah, but I think the best thing is that you recognize it and that you can hopefully catch yourself in moments and allow yourself to be like, eh, um, let me do something different this time and tell you like, I don't actually have time right now or I'll get to this tomorrow or whatever it may be. So that sounds like steps in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, some other work that you're doing. I know you started a show, Unpacked Angles, um, and I want you to talk a little bit about what that is, what the purpose is, and what led you to start that. Yes. Um, so on Unpacked Angles, I am sharing kind of my journey, also just like my experiences like within UX, but I bring in like my own perspective. So I like the tagline is widening perspectives on UX and more. And I bring in self-care into that and like anything else that I feel like it be or that I feel like because I have this thing where I don't want to be, you know, just about work. And especially like after burning out, I was like, yo, this is like, I'll never want to be in this place again. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And like the way that I want to do it is just going to be the way that it's going to be done. And so I have this thing where like I have a professional website like with my portfolio and stuff. And then I also have my personal website, which is, I guess it kind of looks professional, but at the same time, I did it on purpose so that I could separate out work from like just my life. And um, with Unpacked Angles, I just wanted to combine it because I didn't want to just be another YouTube channel that was just talking about professional shit. There's a whole bunch of UX channels and like they're fine, but at the same time, like nobody talks about like the actual 
bullshit that you go through, but then also like the uncertainties and like things that you're just confused about, like as somebody either starting out in the field or who's just in the field and just like, yo, is this right? Like, I don't even know. And then life also like mixing into that because everybody's living their own life and nobody's life revolves around UX 24 seven. So who would you say is your audience for that? Just so Um, listeners can know, like if that's something that it would benefit them to check out. Yeah. So I say that I have two, um, I guess, main audiences. One are for like people who are beginners. So either just just getting into the field or like trying to get into the field as far as like UX goes. I talk about UX like from a general perspective and insert like some research stuff in there, but it's like a little bit of design too for people who want to do design. But um, so there's that. And then there's also like people who have, who are experienced, who want a different perspective. Um, because the field is so, it's very vast, like UX is just one big umbrella. And there's also like people who come from all different types of backgrounds in the, just in the field. Most, I don't even know if this is true, but I feel like most people don't get into UX having studied UX in college. They come into it through a different avenue. And so, um, I think having those, those multiple perspectives as an experienced UX professional helps to like, I don't know, strengthen your abilities in some way. At least it does for me. So that's why I like to get in perspectives and share mine. I've watched some of your videos, even though I had no idea what the hell you were talking about, (laughs) Um, but to support you. And it was cool. And I like your perspective. I also, from social media creeping, saw that, not really creeping, because you had hella people like shouting you out for this talk that you gave at, I guess, a UX site or something that Figma did. So can you drop some of those tips? Because I saw mad tweets like, man, that was the best talk of this whole presentation. (laughs) Shout out to Nanura or Nanura, sorry, all those things. So can you drop some of those tips? Because people were lit. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't talk anything that had to do with UX research or design. Which is <laughs> probably like, why they needed it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I was like, we're not about to go into this conference and not talk about COVID and how it's just messing up everybody's life. And so um, the title of my talk was, "It's Everything is Not Fine and That's Okay. And... I basically went through and just like acknowledged the elephants in the room. So it was like the pandemic plus police brutality, social injustice, natural disasters, burnout, like just all of the shit that was going on that are, that has been going on, like adding on top of the pandemic and how everybody's just tired and it's just having a toll on people. And then like the world even opening up now is just a major shift too. For the places that are opening up and so like that is having an effect on people as well and then i shared like how i've been handling it which is like not that great but you know i've been trying and um how i've been trying to be a little bit more present um because that's required for my work and i go through like three asks like i just ask people for three things that's like the culmination of the presentation which is like for people to have like more empathy toward themselves, um, for people to uh, be more vulnerable with themselves and other people and just like give themselves a little bit more grace and to also um, support one another. I said three, but I'm about to say more than than three because I don't remember it right. Um, But yeah, support one another, have empathy with ourselves and others and um, to seek out help when we need it and I gave people resources for that as far as like therapy and the emergency hotline and things like that so 
it was just like literally nothing to do with <laughs> the conference, but also everything to do with the conference. And so people just needed it. I felt like I needed it. And um, I'm glad it went over well, for sure. That's good. That's a testament to the authenticity, though, of the way you speak and the topics on which you speak, because to your point, like that is at the core of everybody who's trying to work through these things. And you still need to identify, accept and deal with all these different feelings and all the things that are happening. Um, So I understand why that would be well received and well needed because to kind of what you were saying before, like our egos a lot of time don't let us say like, we're burnt out or we don't even think about that. Oh, I might be burnt out or I might be going through something until you see the examples. And it's like, oh, damn, that is me right now. Oh, am I feeling like this? Um, so that's probably very helpful to people. And we appreciate you having that perspective. Um, wrapping this up a little bit, Nanero, what are you interested in doing more of? Because you do a lot. I know. Um... Man, what am I interested in doing more of? So on Unpacked Angles, I recent, well, not recently, I started doing interviews. Um, so I've been reaching out to people who are like either in the UX field or adjacent um, to talk to them about their experience. Um, and not just from like the professional side, but also from the personal side and like how that mixes in. Um, but then also trying to figure out like how UX plays into what they do. So I want to do more of that. It's been really interesting to get people's different perspectives on the channel. Um, So that's probably about to start up back soon because I had to take a break since I moved. Um, But that's one thing. And I also... hmm, I want to do more connecting with people. And I've been trying to be purposeful or I guess intentional with that. But at the same time, I've found that I don't know how to do that or it feels like I don't know how to do that. And I don't know if it's because I never really knew how to do that or if it's just because like uh, an effect of not being around people for like a year and a half because of COVID. And so I don't know, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out how to do that, but I really do want to connect with more people um, just on a human level. And um, I would say I want to do more traveling, but I just really don't know how this COVID thing about to play out. So we'll see. But I want to I want to do more things where I could be like a little closer to nature and just talk to plants and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, (laughs) Nanero Brown, we are so thankful that you joined us on the podcast. Um, We knew you'd have a lot of wisdom to impart. And it's very interesting to hear your story. Very cool to hear about tech from a black woman and the things that you've gone through in in that space and what you're working on now. Um, And so we want to edify you and say that we appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And we hope to see more of what you're doing. Um, let our listeners know where they can find you, how they can connect with you, wherever you'd like them to. Yeah. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> Dang, you said wherever I want them to. You probably should not connect with me on LinkedIn because like, it's backed up she right now. She on Tinder, guys. Let's find her. <laughs> you talking about you want to leak with more people. Yeah, so you can start there. What? Well, no, nah, I'm on Hinge. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you <I> go. <laughs> Said she is tricking out. <laughs> Believe that. 
The sushi on the neuro. <laughs> Tell them where to find you for real on the neuro. Dang, where you get a bunch of hand requests. Hey, okay. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. It might take a little while, but, you know, I'm going to make my way through. It gives me anxiety because of so many notifications. Um, but I'm also on Twitter at Neneral underscore. Um, same at on Instagram. And I'm on Clubhouse at Neneral. Um, so we do the club UX Research Corner Club thing twice a week. So I only be on there for that most of the time. So. And spell your name out so everybody can know. Oh, yeah. My name is spelled N as in Nancy, A-N-N, both as in Nancy, E-A-R-L. Super Jamaican. <laughs> Extra Jamaican. Um, but we're not going to get into that part of it. <laughs> Thank you, though, for real again for being here. We hope that you all connect with her. Uh, watch the video so you can see how glowy her skin is these mm -hmm. days. She popping. Now that she in L.A. and, and living her life. Um, Earl, you know, at the end of our episodes, we have a question of the week. And so our question this week is, what's the most, most important thing in your life right now? Ooh. Uh, dang, I should look at this question before. Uh, you can answer that. <laughs> what's most important to you right now? Honestly, what's most important to me right now is my mental health. And so I take my sweet time to respond to text messages if I need to. And I don't expect to get no shit from that. <laughs> uh, same thing with any other way people try to contact me. I'm really taking myself into consideration a lot more these days. And so I'm being, I'm being extra intentional about that. You deserve it. I love that. Lexi, what is the most important thing in your life right now? The most important thing in my life right now is peace. And that's just feeling good regardless of what I have to do, feeling good um, regardless of what's going on around me. And lately I have been feeling like extremely good, even though there's, you know, some off things that have been going on or that I've been dealing with. But it's so interesting and it feels so good to be like, oh, there's these things happening. But also, like, I feel really great. So, um, you know, just allowing things to pass and, and feel peaceful is what's been most important for me. I like that. Um, I have a similar answer. I'm reading a book right now and it's saying like you can't always feel joyful or peaceful because, you know, we're humans and shit happens, but you can always aspire to feel the best that you can in the moment and try to elevate from wherever you are just to whatever that is. And so my main or the most important thing is just like me feeling the best I can at any given moment in spite of what's going on. That might not be peaceful. It might be anger in that moment, but that's higher than what it was. So just figuring out whatever that next level up is. That's good. All right, listeners, what's the most important thing in your life right now? Um, connect with us at Carly's Couch across all platforms. Connect with Nanero. Let her know how great of a job she did. Hit her up. Um, find her on Hinge. Find her on LinkedIn. <laughs> find her on Instagram. Check out Unpacked Angles. If you're into tech and UX, that will be very um, a good experience for you there. And again, thank you, Nanero, for being with us. Um, we appreciate you, and we're so glad that you joined us. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. <laughs>